Welcome to the Hemp Empowerment Project. We are your hosts, Anthony and Nicole Lucido. Our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can benefit your life. Today we have with us uh, Jenny RG, and she is the founder of Jenny's Baked at Home located in Brooklyn. She is a breast cancer survivor and a believer in plant-based foods as healing as well as incorporating CBD and healthy hemp products to promote healing and overall health. Jenny created Jenny's Baked at Home out of a passion to share her healing journey with others. And that is, um, and that others can learn to heal through a plant-based diet. She provides a variety of hemp-based hemp -based health foods and CBD products, all while providing guidance to her customers on which products may help them best. We are excited to hear more about Jenny's journey and what we can learn about hemp from a health standpoint. Jenny, I've got to ask you, and I'm going to, I'm going to go straight to the G spot. Where did the idea for this lube come from? The, uh, the idea for the what? For the lubricant. Oh, for the lubricant. Um, oh, for the G spot. Okay. I got it. That's so funny because I call, I don't call it a lubricant, even though I think it's called a lubricant on my website, I call it a loving oil. Nice. So the, I think the idea came from everything in my product suite is designed for a need that I need to fill. So for me, pH balance is a really big thing. Uh, and, and I don't think that the loving oils or the, <clears throat> the natural lubricants out there are combining food with, uh, with that part of the body so much. It's more for sensual or for um, <clears throat> aromatic reasons, but not for health reasons. So as you get, as a woman gets older and I'm 50, um, things start to change in the body, whether that's your, you know, your pH balance or your, whether you're lubricated enough or you're producing enough moisture. So I thought this was a perfect time. So I combined, um, things like peppermint because peppermint one is just, um, kind of sensual and, and, and stimulating, but the oregano is super healing for tissue and, and cell growth. Um, so that's kind of why it, I, I started. It was just for a personal need uh, and, and to try to think of it outside of the sexual realm and think of it more as a sexual organ that needs to be treated um, without, having, without having the act of having sex, but to treat it as if you were uh, loving it all the time, even, even, on, the, even on the, it stays off. Yeah. Awesome. Does that, does that work good for like, like a massage oil too, or? Yeah, it probably would. CBD is an anti-inflammatory. So that's really the wonderful part of adding the CBD to it. It's an MCT base. So it's, it's a, a medium chain triglyceride. So it's a, a natural um, moisturizer lubricant. Um, the oregano is stimulates cell growth. And then the peppermint is going to sort of heighten the, uh, the senses and the, um, and the nerve endings to feel a little bit more of a tingle, but peppermint's also a, um, a, uh, antibacterial and, um, antifungal. So that helps as well. S same with CBD. 
So it there's there's no reason that you couldn't use it overall body, but you know it's it's very the vagina is a very sensitive organ and it needs and it needs to really every single ingredient has to be thought through, yeah. and if you don't, it, it women really suffer from the the uh, the backlash of of bad lubricants, whether that's you know urinary tract infection or a yeast infection. And those can happen in seconds if we put the wrong thing close to us. Um, And I just think that it hasn't really been thought out. So it's really, it took me maybe at least 50 tries and I, and I'm single. So (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. I just, I did, I used it (laughs) (laughs) before I finally found the right combination. That's great. You know, that's, that's one thing that I think a lot of women don't pay attention to is, you know, our feminine pH is so important. And when we put foreign substances in that area, it can really wreak havoc on our system. So it was really, it was great to learn about this product that you have. And <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, it, and even, but even the, the balance in which it took me, um, I had to find the right amount of oregano, the right amount of CBD, the right, it couldn't, it wasn't just throwing everything into the pot and stirring it. It took a lot of different, and I think that that's going forward that we're so new to the CBD space in, Mm -hmm. in retrospect to, you know, maybe pharmaceuticals or products on the, on the market that we just think CBD and add a little this and add a little that's going to work, but it's, we're still playing with all of the science behind the cannabis plant and combining functional medicine with it. Whereas maybe Chinese herbs have been doing it for you know, centuries yeah. and now we're just starting to play with it. So we need to really start to look to the, the experts, the nutritionalists and the holistic healers and, and see what's worked for them and start to try to combine that practice with cannabis. And I, that's kind of where I come in. So I definitely defer to the experts. Um, and then I use myself as, as the guinea pig for the study group. So do you have someone help you come up with these formulas or is it something you kind of test out on your own? I, I, at first it was testing on my own because I started this five years ago and, 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 and CBD was still a schedule one. So I couldn't even ask people, and I'm on the East Coast, you guys are on the uh, mountain, but West Coast. Um, And so it was hard for me to find people that would actually work with me who didn't feel like they were going to be imprisoned. Um, And so now I do have a pharmacist that I like a lot, and he's very holistic uh, in in perspective um, for the body and mind. So he and I work together really well and he's very patient with me, but he helps me come up with the, with the formulas. Nice. Can you, can you share with us some more about Jenny's baked at home and the different products that you've created and provide? Well, it started out, I I started out when I got cancer, I I was diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, I was asked to do both radiation and chemo, but I opted out of both of those and decided to uh, surgically remove the cancer. Um, But I needed to, during that process of having 
the cancer surgically removed, I needed to come up with an alternative to pain medication because I just can't take opiates uh, without feeling nauseous and sick. And I also knew that, um, that I needed something to sort of calm me. Um, and I hadn't done cannabis in years and years and years. So uh, I started looking at um, as edibles as an alternative. But of course, back then, you know, it was full tilt boogie with the edibles, you know, 2000 milligrams for a, you know, one gummy. And so it was, <laughs> so it was just too much. So I had, so I, I looked at things uh, and I come from developing products. I, I had a furniture line for 15 years that I designed and manufacture sustainable modern children's furniture, furniture that was green and formaldehyde free and E zero. Um, so I was looking for a health alternative. So I came up with a baking mix that was gluten-free, but high cacao chocolate, which is a uh, antioxidant. And um, I added protein. Protein's not good for everybody with cancer, but my protein, um, it was gonna help, help me with my energy level. Um, and then I could add the can of oil. So that was my first product. Um, that it didn't have CBD or THC added. It was just a baking mix that was designed almost like what we were talking about with the lube mm -hmm. um, is that you, it's, it's a science. You can't just throw in, you can't take a Betty Crocker baking mix and throw in can oil or it might just end up being really greasy or it won't bake right. So there's a, there's a science to all of this. So after that, I um, then CBD was introduced to me uh, as a alternative to tamoxifen, and tamoxifen is a uh, a hormone replacement therapy used to prevent cancer from returning, and it has had a lot of really great results, but it also has a lot of side effects. And so I was reading at the time some studies that were coming out of Israel that were showing that high CBD diet discouraged cancer cells from adhering to mass. So I opted to start using CBD every day in my life. And then I would infuse it in things that I used every day, such as olive oil or coconut oil. And that's how I came up with a whole line of products. So I have uh, olive oil, coconut oil, a baking mix with CBD isolate now in it. Most of my products are full spectrum. Mm -hmm. I have um, tinctures that you can both use uh, sublingually uh, under your tongue, or you can make a cocktail out of it two different um, times of day that you can use it. Uh, if it's a topical, it's food-based um, avocado or almond that is great for the skin and, uh, and and so products like that, so that, that it, it, I sort of run, run the gamut of a cough, a infused coffee, uh, all, all different products that I use every day. I wake up, I have coffee. If I go to bed at night, I have a cup of tea and I add coconut oil to it. Um, that sort of thing. Have you kind of calculated how many milligrams of CBD or oil that you're ingesting daily? Yeah, I, at first because you know FDA not rolling out their regulations is a good thing and a bad thing. 
obviously we have a lot of bad actors in the in the industry but at the same time uh we're able to uh control what we put in our body and, and if we're smart we, we work with it however i have started to see some studies come out that perhaps too high of a cbd diet could cause crystallization in the liver so uh, I've never been a proponent of huge, huge quantities of anything. I think our bodies need to be able to, you know, it, it's like melatonin. We need to figure out how much we've depleted over time and how to fill the well up. So I have myself, uh, as I said, I'm sort of my own study group, figured out what it works for a woman who's 50, who's pretty athletic and lives a pretty good lifestyle, but has suffered from, you know, things like cancer. Um, and so, uh, and my customers, you know, run the gamut from uh, sleep issues to um, Parkinson's. So everybody has their own CBD intake needed. So for me, my I, I don't usually use probably more than, I'd say, somewhere between 30 and 50 milligrams a day is about the extent. So I do it in almost in micro doses, five milligrams, 10 milligrams during the day. I, I'll just use a little, like maybe, maybe five milligrams in the morning and 10 milligrams in the afternoon. And as it closer to the evening, I ramp it up just a little bit. Okay. And, and does that help you sleep? It helps me sleep, but then I, I tell people that it's not, and people confused because they want, because we've lived in a pharmaceutical age for so long, right? So that a pill puts you to sleep. CBD isn't, isn't, a, um, isn't a replacement for sleep. It's a promoter to help you sleep. So if during the day you're promoting circulation and you're promoting tuning of the, of the receptors within your body, by the time you go to sleep and you're asleep, you stay asleep because you're circulating. There's no, there's no inflammation that's happening that's making maybe your heart skip a beat or the blood slow down a little bit and kind of wake you up and say, you know, you need to, you need to move right now because we're feeling a little, a little, a little clogged. So I think during the day, if we just don't use it all at one time and we figure out during the day, the problem is, is that CBD for some people in the very beginning kind of makes them a little fatigued. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out the small, small doses that you don't feel the fatigue or mix it with something like coffee that stimulates the receptors in the brain and then opens up circulation. Um, and so we start to bring in CBD into our daily. So by the time the evening comes, we're, the whole body is tuned and the receptors are tuned and you can up it a little bit. But it's really not about going after the sleep. It's about going after the mind and body throughout the 24 hours. And before you know it, two or three years in, you're living a totally different lifestyle. You're feeling more circulated. I tell people your edges are rounded. You're still <laughs> as intense as you were before. You're still as happy as you were before. You're just a little more chill, which is kind of what yoga does for us, right? It kind of chills our meditation does. So if you combine yoga and meditation and a good healthy diet and cannabis in your life, 
you're probably not to say you aren't going to be president. You're just going to do it a little bit chiller. Yeah. Yeah. So really activating that parasympathetic system. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. I mean, I've experienced those benefits as well. So I can, I can totally relate. Um, now you have customers that come to you for advice or ask questions and, you know, are there times where they ask if they're going to get high from your products or, you know, how do you navigate through that, that stigma that's still there today? Isn't that, it's amazing that that stigma, it's going to be no. actually, I, I don't think that we'll outlive it. Mm-hmm. I think that be, I tell, you know, people don't realize that what prohibition only lasted like 10 years max. And in that 10 years, alcohol was only illegal. What few years out of that whole time. So we've been in a prohibition with cannabis for a hundred years plus. So it's going to take a long, long, long time to peel back the stigma and all of the, the laws that are on the books. I, am a full spectrum approach to the, the, the CBD cannabis plant. So I am 0.03 THC in my products because I like to use as many cannabinoids as I can in my products. I think it touches different receptors and helps uh, promote different things within the body. Um, and you can't get high. You would have to you would have to use copious amounts of the CBD and you wouldn't want to do that because too much, like I said, could cause maybe possibly crystallization in the liver, but above and beyond, no, you cannot. CBD hits the receptors, CB1 and CB2 receptors in the body and does not hit the receptors in the brain. So you, you typically can't get high from it. You can feel a, a bit of sense of euphoria if there's a little 0.03 0.03 TH in it because it might hit some of the receptors, but it definitely is opening up circulation, which is getting oxygen through the body. And sometimes that feels really stimulating and uplifting, which you might be like, wow, I really feel something right now, but you could feel that way from doing a power yoga session um, where you feel really high and up, right? So same thing. I, I really think CBD and, and yoga is, is very synonymous Mm-hmm. Because it's about promoting oxygen to the brain um, and to the heart. And that is something that uh, is going to make us live longer. Our body motion stays in motion. The more oxygen, the more we're going to stay alive um, because oxygen heals the body. Uh, we can use just self-promoting in that sort of sense. So no, you can't get high. Um, if, you, you, if, if you're not using the right CBD product, you might have too much THC in it if it's not being tested properly. And that could cause a bad drug test. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're using a good product that's testing correctly, a 0.03, and you're using it in a calculated way for whatever you need it for, your body's going to absorb it. The THC chances are, and I can't, you know, 100% say this will not show up on a drug test because it's at such low amounts um, and you're using it correctly. Um, So yeah, hopefully that was a winded way of saying you're not going to get high. It probably won't show up on a drug test. Um, 
but you get to use all the cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you mentioned bad players and bad CBD. What are what do consumers need to look out for in this in this Wild West CBD market? I think we're going to start to see a lot more regulations come online. I, I, I think that, again, it's a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, I'm definitely a laissez-faire uh, kind of person. Um, but I guess there's a reason that the government comes in, you know, for a little bit. And when the government is going to come in, they're going to come in and create a state-by-state -state program. Uh, I'm not quite sure what Nevada laws are. Oregon is pretty heavy handed. New York, it, it will, it will, it, it will mirror the alcohol and tobacco industry. So you'll start to see within the state, it either has to be grown or manufactured or a distributor within that state. So if I get the product from another state, the state, if the product comes from another state, I'll have to go through a distributor to be sold through through New York. And that's a good thing because it, if I'm a distributor, which I'm a licensed uh, holder in New York, and we're now leaving the ags and market department and going in the department of health, you would have to come in and align. Another state would have to align themselves with a, a license holder, a distributor. And I would be responsible for fact checking and, um, and getting the lab results for that product. So there would be no um, toxins, no heavy metals. Uh, if, it, if it said it was a thousand milligrams of CBD, it actually was a thousand milligrams of CBD. If uh, there, were, there would be a major blockchain to it, I would know exactly where the, the plant was, where the seed was grown. I would have soil tested. Uh, I would have the lab results from the soil. So you would have what's called a, a, a full CGMP, a good manufacturing practice from start to finish. And that's, I think, where the government would come in and say, now with that comes high taxations, um, a lot of regulations that are going to be difficult for small players like me to stay in the game mm -hmm. because the, the cost to stay there is going to be very high. So <clears throat> I think people are going to have to figure out how to pivot stay in the game and hopefully the, the regulations and the government will allow or at least help people like me stay stay uh, in in the field and and be able to grow with the new with the new regulations so I think that that's that you need to look for people that are CGMP good, uh, good manufacturing practice uh, are they a licensed holder um, you don't ever want to buy anything that's coming from another country right now, because the problem is you don't know if it was, if it was maybe they're saying it's from Amsterdam, but it quite possibly could have come from China. Mm -hmm. And not to say that China's all bad, but unfortunately China doesn't have the regulations on their products like uh, testing the soil and China has a lot of pollution and they used cannabis for years to clean the soil um, between, between um, crops. So, and cannabis is a wonderful plant for cleaning soil. It'll pull all the heavy metals and the toxins out of it, but then they would use it and extract it and get the CBD. And we were coming in with these, this horribly 
uh, polluted products. So I think that that's probably, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. I mean, I do enormous amount of testing on my products mm -hmm. so that I'm giving my customers exactly what I'm, I, I, what I'm preaching. Yep. Yeah, I know it's an unfortunate that some people are not and that, you know, that regulation is going to, it's going to protect consumers, but it will, will rise the, raise the cost. Now, have you started to plan for when that happens within your business? Um, yes. So I, as of November 1st, New York uh, just, it left the Ags and Market Department, the hemp program, and now is in the Department of Health and they're calling it the cannabinoid hemp program or something like that. It's kind of wonderful because they're starting to really understand that this isn't about, this is about cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. So I'm really super excited, even on that terminology, really excited me because they're taking it serious, seriously. But um, I, I was a license holder in the hemp pilot program, which uh, what under the state was a research program. So we were granted these licenses and there was only, I think, 27 processors in New York. And we were sort of grandfathered into the Department of Health under the guise that we have a CGMP facility. Okay. So I uh, have purchased some property in upstate New York, not too far uh, in the Catskills area, close to Hudson. And I'm setting up a CGMP facility that will uh, meet all of the regulations and come January, hopefully we'll start to see what those regulations are, but they're standard. Think of um, maybe the, the dietary supplement industry and the regulations they have to follow will be identical to what we need to follow. Is it food grade? Is it, you know, all the safety measures sort of pharmaceutical grade uh, facilities. So yes, um, I'm in the, I'm in the thick of it right now, setting up the facility. What, what are, do you have a plan on, uh, when you'll be opening that facility? Uh, um, operations there. <laughs> it, it, in my intention is to be able to start extracting come February, March. Okay. But you know, you can always tack on a few months to that because right. you know, there's the development and then the machinery and all of that kind of stuff. But, but it'll be a, a soup to nuts facility. So be able okay. to, to uh, extract the biomass and uh, help people create formulas and white label and, and, and people can come and see how my products are made. Uh, and hopefully there'll be eventually a test kitchen on there that we can continue to work with with, with um, food and cannabis combined. Oh, so that's really exciting. So you're going to have a place where somebody can say, hey, I want to sell some CBD and I can put my label on this bottle. Yeah, exactly. And what I hope, my really exciting part of it is, is that I hope that people within the food space really want to come in and say, you know, like, I'm really, really interested in nutritionalists who are really breaking the, the breaking the boundaries of that, you know, food are, are, are introducing food as, as medicine. Mm -hmm. So, and I think adding the CBD or THC or any of the cannabinoids to it and cannabinoids we haven't even discovered yet could be 
the, the answer to a lot of ailments. And I'm, I, I hope to have that space where people feel they can come and, and explore that and I give them that platform uh, to do that. So that, that to me is my vision is yes, to create a facility and yes, to create awesome CBD products, but to have a platform that people can come and, and explore food and also see this as well. I want to open it to the public yeah. uh, because I speak all over the, the country and I, I'm so passionate about bringing the cannabis plant back into our everyday use. You know, I think that you know, every culture obviously has used it, right? And they, and I don't think that it was smoked. I think it was, it was cooked with. Mm-hmm. You go to Jamaica, it, it, yeah, it's kind of known for this Rasta safari, right? All these like smokers and blunts and spleefs and all that. But actually, if you talk to the grandmothers, they all steeped it in, 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 in food and, and teas and, and stews. And it was all used there. So yeah, and, and I think, if, you know, that when anywhere I talk to somebody from a culture, they, they always talk about, yeah, my grandmother made us this tea or they made us this this concoction. And it was definitely to get them through an illness or a cold or that sort of thing. Yeah, that's really exciting. One thing that I kind of I feel personally is that when people come around the aroma of a hemp plant, they really have a connection with it. And I think there's a deeper connection than we realize. You know, yeah, to- for sure. Well, the being in a cannabinoid system, mm-hmm. you know, and our body being so in tune with it, obviously you can't overdose. Mm-hmm. You, you know, maybe you could become mentally addicted, but not physically addicted to it. Uh, I think that, that the body sees it as a, as a friendly plant, not as a, as a deadly plant. Yep. Well, that's super exciting about opening up that facility and being able to, to offer that white label to people that want to get the word out and yeah. bring, Thank something, you. bring something to their uh, yoga studios. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. you mentioned something about um, Jamaica. Did you travel to Jamaica and speak to different families there? I mean, what kind of brought that out? I will know I live in New York, so I'm around okay. a lot of different cultures Perfect. in New York from, you know, that could be middle, it could be Middle Eastern or Jamaican, but I just recently did an interview with a new magazine that's launching in Jamaica and we really, really honed in on Jamaica and the food, the cannabis and food okay. and how long it's been a tradition. So I think I haven't been there yet. I would love to hopefully one day be invited, um, to maybe to a grower um, or maybe, you know, some, some sort of reason for me to go other than just visiting. But um, I think that that I just, I'm looking at cultures. I'm starting to look more at cultures and, and, and China has a huge, huge, huge history with using cannabis in food. Um, and that, that went, um, I think that was during the Ming dynasty that, that that stopped being used, but for thousands of years, it was used in cooking. So I think if we just start to go back and look at the history and how it was used, you know, did, was it combined with, if fennel was being grown next to a, uh, in naturally on the side of the road, like a weed, um, did we use it for medicinal reasons? Did we combine 
fennel and cannabis, you know, at this time of the year, or did we uh, use a different route or what, what were the different combinations that were used to stimulate? Because I can tell you that when I combine different foods, I feel the cannabis differently in my body. Interesting. If I eat a, if I eat a gummy, Mm-hmm. which is just sort of maybe if it's not a vegan gummy and it's, you know, maybe high, high corn syrup or if it's corn syrup and, uh, and, and, and unnatural additives added to it. I, I don't feel the same way as I would if I combined it with, you know, maybe a peanut butter protein ball or something that would, that would encourage other parts of the body to use it and soak it up and to, uh, and, and to create a, a, a different, um, concoction within the body to, to stimulate different, different growth and, and, uh, regeneration. Now with you opening your new facility, um, are you going to be growing as well or just processing? In New York, they separated the grow, the processing, the manufacturing and the distribution, so currently the grow is leaving the, also the ads and market department and going into the USDA. Okay. Uh, I, I have the ability to apply for that license and I would like to maybe one day, but currently I think my specialty lies in uh, extraction, processing, manufacturing and distribution. Okay. Um, I think that that's where my skills lie. I, my grandfather growing up, I mean, my, um, my uncle growing up had a cattle farm in Southern Missouri. So I spent a lot of summers on the farm. Uh, so I'm comfortable in that sort of farm setting. I don't know if he was an agricultural, it was livestock, but um, I, I never really saw myself too much as a farmer, even though I give major uh, credence and, and accolades to the farmers. It's very difficult and very hard, yeah. but Right now, the the bottleneck really lies in the processing and manufacturing in New York. Uh, so I, I'd like to leave the growing to the growers uh, who know what they're doing, and I would love to, to co-brand and 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 do partnerships with them. Mm-hmm. So, and are you? Is there a? Are you getting your stuff from Kentucky right now? And will that change? Or, um... yes. So. I, when I first started, when we had the, when we first started this conversation, uh, when I started looking for organic products, uh, organic CBD, I looked to Kentucky first because they were the first in the hemp pilot program. Uh, and they, it seemed that they had a little bit more history. So I, I went to Kentucky and I sat with a lot of the farmers and some of the processors and I, I definitely felt like they were following the guidelines that were set by the research program. So I felt comfortable aligning myself with Kentucky. Um, and then I, uh, yeah, so, so, and then I started um, exporting it to, to New York, but I was doing the finished product. So I was doing a white label, not necessarily white label. White label is when they manufacture it and you just put your label on it. So I would come up with my formulas, send them my formulas. They would, they would put them together for me and then I would ship it to New York. So currently I'm still doing that, but I still have some manufacturers in other parts. I have 
Um, I use some, some of my products come from California. Some of my products come from Kentucky, but eventually it'll all be in-house. Okay. That's fantastic. And awesome. So, or, or, or I will, or I will uh, contract other New York uh, extractors or de- depending, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to, to using people in the industry that are awesome and doing great things. Probably will have to stay within my state at one point. Yeah. Now, are you modeling a particular processing facility right now? Uh, when Am I modeling one that I'm looking at another facility yeah. and trying to recreate it? Yes. Well, I don't know if it's necessary modeling. We have to follow what's called CGMP, which is current mm-hmm. good manufacturing practice. Okay. So I kind of have to take my blueprint of the my facility that I have. I'm not building it from the ground up. I purchased a, a land with a building on it. And so I'm retrofitting what is there already under the guidelines of the CGMP. Got it. Perfect. And so do you only sell your products through your website or are there other places where people can access those? So in the beginning, I so my last company was a, furniture, a modern children's furniture company. And when I started, I, I knew nothing about business. I was, I got my, my master's in painting and sculpture. So <laughs> I, I come from, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather owned Greek restaurants. My father had a nationwide court reporting company. Me and my uncle out of California. We, we all these, you know, like Greek and Polish, we all like came to the country and of course, for no other reason, nobody would hire us. We started our own businesses. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I started that furniture company, I thought that I had to be on the shelves. That's how product, you know, if you, you develop a product. And at the time, the internet was very new, very new. I, I, I really got my start in that last company because of the internet. Uh, Amazon was new and they were one of my they were my largest customer in the beginning but there were a lot of eyes on me in the beginning through the internet so I was selling uh I was selling wholesale and I created huge wholesale market so I my last customer was Walmart I was international sales Mm -hmm. uh but in this comp this industry it was very new when I started five or six years ago especially east coast nobody knew what CBD was and like you guys have alluded to it a few times in this interview that that THC has, has still has a horrible stigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I knew that I, I, cr- I created a sort of a suffrage group um, and I would find these women that would want to uh, change the direction the cannabis was going and they would invite me into their homes. And I would go from Capitol Hill to Maine and I would do these sort of like Avon mm-hmm. uh, like house par- like the house parties. Party. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I would get up and I would talk about the history of cannabis, how it became illegal, um, uh, how, how it could be good for you, how to use it. And at the end I would have all my products for sale and then and I realized when I had set the products up in the beginning and people would look at the product, they, they had kind of didn't have a lot of interest in buying them. But once they learned about how it became illegal and why, it, it took away 
the stigma and it also empowered them. And then to talk about what the cannabis plant does to the body was a completely game changer. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how I started. So I, I got such great feedback from that, that I didn't want to go sell on shelves yet. I wanted to stay tribal in the beginning because you can always sell on shelves. That's not the new products are popping up every day on shelves. So, but to, to create a core base customer base for me that I knew that that was going to be more difficult than just throwing my products up on a shelf and walking away. Mm -hmm. So I have steered away and stayed more uh, business to customer focused than I have B2B business to business focused. Eventually I'll get there, but I'm, I'm in no hurry to, I'd rather concentrate concentrate on my customers right now and build this slow growth. Whereas in this industry, everybody wants to come swinging for the fences. They want to make their money right away. They want the, the green rush. It's the dot pot, make it happen as fast as possible and get out. But I'm kind of in it for the long haul. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to take a lot of hard work. So for that serial entrepreneur like you and I, somebody getting into the business, what could you recommend? Well, I, I think that it's it's exactly what you guys are doing. So your specialty is, you know, you guys are great at putting on, uh, you know, media channels and creating this uh, highway to knowledge for people in the cannabis space. And that's your specialty and you're championing that. And if, if you've never done product and, you know, a product excites you because we use product every day, but it's nothing that you've really done and, and you're, you're more service-based, don't pick up product and start doing product in the cannabis space because you probably aren't going to have a success. But if you're excited about cannabis and you're really good at um, accounting, there's plenty of space in, in the cannabis industry for accountants because we don't, we have so many nuances to our taxation and we need people out there advocating to protect us so that we don't get screwed, you know, in, in, in this, in this whole thing. So pick what your, your specialty is and your passion is, and then combine it with cannabis, sort of like what I'm doing with food and cannabis, but I'm good with product. That's what I've done my whole life is design product. And, and, and that that's, that's what I, what I champion. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're an accountant, we need accountants, (laughs) we need marketers, we need lawyers, we need builders. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, but it's a, it's a really a passion for the cannabis because I've, I've been doing this now and you guys have been in the industry a long time too. So if you've been doing it for years, you see people come in and think, oh, and, and you'll hear this sort of coin phrase, like we need to get into the cannabis space. We need to, it's as if the train is leaving, right? And, okay. and, and they got it, but don't, don't, if the, the train's not leaving, find out what it is that you want. Because if you're not really, I mean, if you're passionate about cannabis and you're good at something, you're going to do well at it. Because there are a lot of accountants out there who just thought that we need to get on it, mm-hmm. but they don't really 
have a pat they don't study our laws or or marketing people i have so many people in the marketing space who think that this is just a chug and plug oh well you know but it's not i mean we're it's a new industry we have new products we have so many regulations about the things we can say and can't say and if you don't have the people behind you that are really passionate about cannabis and getting that message out there and figuring out the nuances of saying it so that I can do my job to help people, then 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 they're just do, they're not they're doing me a disservice mm-hmm. than helping me in the marketing space. Well, and really doing a disservice to the whole industry because, you know, like one of our big things is really educating people so that they can learn all of the benefits from the plant. I mean, there's, you know, medicinal uses you could build with it. You can make clothes with it. I mean, there's so many things that we can do with it that. I know when we talk to some people, they, they have no idea. <laughs> They're like, what? You can really do all of these things with this plant. So I think it's important that the people that get in, like you're saying, don't provide a disservice, but actually are, have a passion for the industry and want to do something to lift it up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, absolutely. Because they can actually, especially when you mentioned the marketing or what you guys are doing, you can shed light on all the different things. Whereas I, I'm sort of I'm at full capacity with what I'm doing right now. But if somebody comes in and says, hey, listen, let's really blow out hempcrete. Or, you know, I am I have a byproduct after I extract. We have all of this, yeah. this byproduct left. What can we do with this? You know, is it great? Could, could Revlon come along and use it as the new face mask? Or, you know, is, are, there, are there different things that we can use and from from the seed, you know, having it as a superfood all the way to using the byproduct and having complete use of this plant is what people need to be out there advocating for, you know, on that product side. And then there's the legalization side and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's so many different people out there that need to go out there and help the the product people and the, the advocate people do their job as well. Well, and we need more people like you too, that really bring value to others' lives and educate them about what this plant is and how it can help them. I mean, your story with breast cancer and healing yourself with the plant-based diet and use of CBD and just sharing that with others, I think is just so, so important and brings such wonderful value to people that we need more of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, I definitely... Um, and major gratitude that I, I got cancer because I was able to explore the plant and now I get to be an advocate for the plant. And it really, I just, I really find it every day a gift that it came into my life because it's, it's, it's helped me so much, but you know, 110% more I've helped other people. Um, and it's, yeah. I'm I'm really, really grateful that, uh, that life threw me that curveball. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) So to wrap this up, if Jenny, if cannabis was never criminalized, what would the industry look like today? One time I was walking down the streets in DC and I, I don't know how many listeners or know this and if, or if you guys know, but uh, cannabis has been legal. THC has been legal in DC for a long time. Oh, no idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, and most people don't know. And um, so that was one of the reasons I used to go to Capitol Hill and speak was because it was legal. Um, and I knew it comfortable, but comfortably I could speak about THC and, and I would have room full of senators and congressmen and MDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were just as curious as the person sitting next to them about the history behind cannabis and how to use it. Um, and that it was, you, you, you couldn't, there weren't dispensaries, but it was legal to use it. Um, and you could, uh, there's some nuances about selling it and buying it in DC. But I remember finishing after one of my talks and walking down the street and looking at this beautiful bar with all of this lit, these lit bottles of alcohol. And it was gorgeous. It looked like something from, you know, 1930s or something, right? So I thought about prohibition when I saw it. And I thought, well, obviously I'm just leaving a a house in DC and talking about prohibition and seeing this beautiful bar that looks like a 1930s bar. And I thought one day that will all be cannabis. Those will be, that liquid will be filled with cannabis and it won't kill you Mm -hmm. and it won't destroy you. And if it's used correctly and combined, you know, with the right liquids, it's actually going to heal you. And I was thinking, how cool would that be? So I think that that's what it would look like. I think every bar out there, every, um, all, all these, you know, pills and, um, cough syrups and everything would be cannabis based. I, I think it would be, it would be used as an alternative to, I, I also think it would be put in all of our food. Mm-hmm. I think instead of putting corn starch, I think you would put hemp starch in and that would prevent cancer. That would promote tissue, retissue growth. Um, I, I think it would be you, I think we would actually be a society of preventative instead of uh, reactionary. Yeah. Awesome. And Jenny, where can people find you at? Well, you can find me on my website, www.jennysbakedathome.com or at my Instagram, um, Facebook, and Twitter is at Baked at Home Co. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for spending time with us. She shared some amazing things, and we hope that you learned something today. We appreciate our listeners for tuning in to the Hemp Empowerment Project, where our goal is to share the amazing benefits of the hemp plant and the industry. Have a great day.